From Boca Raton, Florida, this is Behind the Bima. On this episode, Rabbi Goldberg and co-host Rabbi Josh Brody are joined by Yedidia Harush, a recent evacuee of the Shlomit community and a decorated elite IDF soldier. And joined by Donna Cohen, wife of the late Aviad Cohen, a heroic security volunteer who lost his life protecting a neighboring community. Yedidia and Donna discuss the circumstances of their life in Shlomit, Yedidia's personal experiences in the IDF, and the challenges they face as they navigate the aftermath of the tragic loss of Aviad. They also highlight the strength and unity of the Jewish community, reflect on their individual commitments to their nation and people, and share powerful, transformative stories of courage, resilience, and faith in the face of adversity. All this and more, Behind the Bima. Welcome to the newest episode of Behind the Bima, joined by my dear friend and colleague, Rabbi Josh Brody. And this promises uh, to be a very, very powerful conversation. Yet another one, every Behind the Bima, has been focused on Israel and bringing to you real people and real right. heroes and real front lines. And uh, on this episode, we're going to speak to Yedid Yaharush, the founder, a leader of the Shlomit community, Chalutza, the border of, of Gaza, Egypt, and Israel, who's now serving in the army, and Donna Kohn, the wife of Aviad Kohn Hashem Yikom Dama, who on October 7th, a volunteer security person who was killed, who gave his life protecting a neighboring community as the Hamas terrorists came in and um, incredible people. They were in Boca recently in a conversation that is just going to really, really transform your life. Really, really, um, really powerful. Um, Rabbi Brody, a lot of people planning to go to Israel. Yeshiva week is coming up. Some people going on vacation elsewhere. Some people going to Israel. Uh, I personally have no judgment. People made their plans. People are locked into their plans. I, I do believe that as best we can. It's wonderful to go to Israel at every opportunity. Israel, I don't want to say it is in a state of crisis because uh, they're strong and they're fighting and they're incredible, but obviously in the middle of a war and anyone who can pivot and go, it's, it's wonderful. Those who can, I don't think any of us should be in judgment of them. Everyone's got you know, their own story. Obviously, we should be sensitive what we post and what we share and where we are and, and, and so on. Um, but, uh, you know, we're planning on going back to Israel and I know you've been there three times. You have anything on the horizon coming up? First of all, I do wish, and it's still not out of the picture that I might be in Israel. I hope to be there. Okay. Uh, no plans on being there right now, but I do have a family simcha in a place called Chicago. And when I tell people I'm going to Chicago for, uh, for a bar mitzvah, they say, you know, what people doing in, in, in Chicago for winter break, they, they leave Chicago, they go but, to I'm going, but I'm going <laughs> Yeah. five degrees there right now and well, if the flight gets sure. canceled because there's a snowstorm then quickly just book to israel just and join re rebook rebook and i saw so many of the things you guys are going to be doing and it just looks amazing and uh really would love to be there hopefully go again soon we'll see see the next trip is but um listen tonight nefesh benefesh is coming to boca yeah We've got a great program in this just to show you because they come every year they come to your communities as well and you get five right. or ten people that show up may be interested Tonight, there's like 150 people that are registered. Amazing. Everyone Amazing. wants to come and find out information about Aliyah. So. Aliyah is not if, it's when. And there are a lot yeah. of legitimate reasons not to make Aliyah. There is no legitimate reason not to be struggling with and deciding when it will be right to make Aliyah. Myself, I know you feel very strongly about this and you have plans yeah. that it works. Um, and, and you know, I know we're doing a campus expansion now and people are here. This are going to ask, so you're going? Why? I'm not going tomorrow. It's complicated, but yeah. my heart's there and I want to go as often as I can until... The time will be right to be there, be there full time. I, I think I feel strongly about this. Aliyah is not binary. It's not all or nothing. Right. And certainly the highest level and the most admirable and what should be on all of our radar one day is to live there full time. But until that day, it's not either you made Aliyah and you love Israel or you didn't. And therefore, you might as well stay home. You know, there's the opportunity to be there as often as possible, to be 
focused and, and concentrating. And I want to tip my hat. There were people who made plans to go skiing in Utah or go to the Bahamas or go to Mexico or go to Italy or France. And they changed those plans. Many lost money. People are spending money not knowing where it's coming from to go to Israel right now on Yeshiva right. Week. And, and I think it's, it's wonderful people are doing that and they, they deserve acknowledgement and credit for it. And it's good. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's what we do. Jewish people, we come together. Family comes together. You know, if you had a, someone had a member of their family that was sick in crisis, you wouldn't go skiing. You wouldn't go elsewhere. You'd cancel. You'd join. And everyone would say, thank you. You did the right thing. We really appreciate it. You made an effort that was wonderful of you. And 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 you'd say, well, it was the right thing to do. And that's what we should be doing. We should be doing here, too. So, you know, it's not it's not all or nothing. And until it can be full time, I think for all of us, we can find a way to make it more time. Right. So much time so, as possible. There. So this is going to be a very different trip to Israel for you as well. The last two trips were missions. Right. And, and so so what does this look like in terms of a family experience? Yeah, it's a good your, question. Your kids, what are, you, what are you hoping to show them? But you know, you can't show them too much. Yeah. It's a little intense. Yeah, the you last know, trip, you know, we, we were together. They were, and I'll cherish them forever. They were three-day trips. And thank you. You really put together and led. And I'm, I'm so grateful for your efforts on them. They were three-day trips. I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't sleep normally. We didn't eat normally. Um, and we didn't do the things that we ordinarily do. Uh, the first one, did I even get to the hotel? Second one, for sure, we did. I'm trying to remember. Like right. that's how much it was just it, mission. It, it wasn't on the agenda, right? It wasn't right. on the agenda. I think we did get there like, in the middle of the night, right. but it wasn't on the agenda. Um, this one's a little bit different. I'm going for a little over a week. I'm going with my family, with my wife and kids, and I have two kids who are in Israel, so we'll be with them and focused on them. My other trips, just like with you, sort of on your way out of Israel, you, you see them for a few minutes, and 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 our family should not be should not come second to anything. They're, they're really important. Right. So we're spending two days with BRS. We've, we've got buses at BRS, um, our community. Some people are joining us from other communities a little bit when, when there was room. And we're doing uh, the first day is a little bit more child friendly with the volunteering and, and making uh, a barbecue and doing those events. The second day also will be sensitive and geared. There are children in mind included who will be with us. We're going back to, and I understand that very few are able to go anymore. And um, but we're going back to, we're supposed to go back to Beiri and to, to other places, Maslul, our, our favorite place, Maslul. Um, so it's going to be very powerful. And and for me um, to go back, even though I've been there before, but to do it with Yocheva, to do it with my kids, my kids who are in Israel, um, it's a different experience to see it through their eyes and to, to go where we're needed. I think one of the sensitivities that we should have is, I, I read an article this week, um, what I've heard from my family and friends in Israel, what I've tried to learn and what I'm trying to work on and improve, there's no judgment of anybody. But it's a list of several things that we can be sensitive to. How to go to Israel as an American and not make it a March of the Living Heritage trip. This is something that's not over. It's happening still in real time. How to go to Israel and not make it about photo ops or how we could share it online but develop real relationships offline. How to go to Israel and ask where are we needed and how can we volunteer and not just where do I want to go and what do I want to see. There's a whole list of things that we can think about, again, with zero judgment of others. How are we sensitive to, to not just show up or come into a hospital room but to to have coordinated it not to take pictures or videos without permission or when it'll be right. uncomfortable there's a lot of things to think about because this is uncharted territory for us so i've just i've learned now for me this is the third trip and i'm listening to the the people there that i love and and again you know with with a lot of pride i'm, I'm proud that we're going and i I'm, i think it's amazing there are people who've changed their plans or are digging into their wallets to be able to go and they should be acknowledged for that and it's it's fantastic and it's wonderful and it's beautiful and it's what we do right. and we should also just be doing it carefully and, and sensitively so there are those two days with brs thursday night our friend alex katz Eretz Chemda, these guys are unreal they, they can move mountains in like no time we're doing another amazing night with 
with amazing rabbis and with tremendous musicians and a night of chizik and it's just i feel tiny i feel so small and to, to be part of it is such a privilege it's it's really unworthy i'm unworthy and it's a privilege and that's thursday night and then shabbos will be with my with my kids and, and hosted by my kids and that's that's really um something I'm looking forward to and then i'm staying a couple extra days to recruit for the yeshiva go around to the yeshivas and and recruit there um in fact um at a wedding here in florida the other day there was a a bachar, a young man who said, oh, he said, Rav Ephraim, I saw you in my yeshiva in Israel. I said, I said when? Like these three-day missions. You remember we went late at night to Nativ and just joined a oh, that was the... that was going on? Like I was the there and he came in for the wedding. Uh, yeah, so this will be um, a different trip in, in, in that way. But I don't know, in terms of your feelings about Aliyah, binary, not binary as often as possible, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's, first of all, it's a great question. And I, you know that event on Thursday night is going to be fantastic because my kids already called and said, oh, we saw there's something going on in, in, in Yushalayim. You have any connections to get tickets? You know, like, it's good for them. Exactly. They're excited about They're getting it. sold and sold yeah. out fast. So I'm get sold out. Exactly. But, but I do think, like you said, there is an opportunity to do both. It's not all or nothing because many people, for any number of very, very good reasons, they can't make Aliyah. But, but like you, you always say, it's not a matter of... of, of uh, how do you say it? It's not a matter, yeah, of, yeah. matter of one. <laughs> no, but it is. You know, again, and, and I don't take for granted. Not everybody has the resources to a flight to Israel is expensive, and right. not every. I have family in Israel, so I have a place to stay, and I have an easy, comfortable, soft landing but, to visit. Not everybody does, right? But it, it's also. It, I think it's just feeling Israel, and I think that's what we see in our communities right now. And you see this on videos, you see it on all the different social media where people are posting videos of their kids in school, just feeling Israel, singing right. for Israel, right? We're we're at weddings. We're at the beginning of the chuppah, towards the end of the chuppah. They're going to sing uh, the the, uh, the 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 tefillah for the IDF. And yeah. what's interesting, you look at a lot of these bands that are singing it. Many times they got the, the Hasidic guys in the back, and they're choir, singing. Choir, singers, and, and, and they're all singing the, it. Uh, I'm like, this is amazing. This is yeah. your achdus. This is what it's supposed to be. I know you posted a video. We were at a beautiful wedding of a dear friend of ours the other day, and our, our good friend Shim Kramer and Mazel yeah. Tov recently got engaged. Shim, you know who was boys in the army and, and made aliyah he sang that tefillah for tzahal and i don't know if there was a dry eye I mean, you just yeah, like you said every we may be geographically six thousand miles away right now our heart our soul our mind and and it's not we're not doing that as a favor for people right. in israel that's that's who we are that's what we're made of that's what we're supposed to be doing so certainly aliyah is about geographically physically getting there right but until you can you could still be there because you're consumed by by it and what's happening and that's something all of us can do wherever we are the only question is if there was a, a BRS Israel component is or, or, or affiliate, where would it be? Because we've already seen it's like when people get a stock tip, things in the works, you things, things get crazy. So it's like you hard to it, people start maybe. rumors and then they start buying and it's not oh, in the wrong community. It's not. It's well, maybe I'll tell you what, <laughs> if or when something happens, we'll break it on behind the beamer. There we go. All so right, maybe, maybe, maybe Chalutza. <laughs> Always an honor to be together and, and really honored and privileged to share this um, this story, this conversation, you did you and, and Donna Cohn. Thank you so much again for tuning in. We have the tremendous uh, privilege, and it really is a privilege to be able to go behind the bima with uh, two heroes. They would describe themselves as ordinary, but they're anything but ordinary. And we had the privilege of hosting Yedidya and Donna in our community uh, recently. And we want this story and, and who you are to be something that the whole world knows, not just not just us. So Yedidya... Yedidya Harush has been our good friend for many years. Yedidya is one of our heroes. His family left Yamit and went into Gush Katif and left Gush Katif and a founder of the area of Chalutza and the community of Shlomit. And now he's uh, back in the army and back fighting and uh, in Gaza, was in Janine and elsewhere. To tell you who Yedidya is, we were 
trying to talk uh, a couple months ago back and forth. We couldn't find each other. And he left me a voice note. He says, I'm so sorry. I've been hard to reach. There was somebody in Janine who needed to no longer be alive. That was the voice note. Just to tell you what Yedidia has been up to. And Dana Cohen, Dana's husband, Aviad Cohen, Hashem Yikom Damo, on October 7th, Aviad, volunteer security, went to go fight, not just to protect Shlomit, the neighboring community we'll talk about momentarily, and gave his life to defend Am Yisrael, Klal Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, a tremendous individual, a person in his life and the way that he left this world. And Dana, what you, who you are and what you're doing and, and your emuna is something that is just uh, inspires us. And so thank you. Thank you for sharing your story with us and, and the, the courage and the, the willingness to open up that pain to be able to share it. Thank you both for being with us. Thank you so much. It's a great honor. So you did, maybe we'll, we'll start with you, Dana. We'll come in a moment. Um, you know, you did, we'll, we'll go back to October 7th and, and Aviad, who was one of your closest friends and what a loss, of course, to Aviad's family, first and foremost, but to closest friends and to the community of Shlomit. But maybe let's fast forward to now. Uh, you're fighting in Gaza. You're off. You happen to be off and, and you're spending the time with us. We feel bad taking you away from your family. But talk to us about the morale of your unit, of the fighting that you're doing, of the army. We're now 102 days into this. Are people growing tired? Is the cause still as, as first and foremost? Talk to us about how you're doing and how the your fellow soldiers are. Okay. Thank you so much for having us here. Um, uh, well, the the fight inside Gaza, um, I uh, I will describe it as the as like being in the in the in the Big Brother show. You're disconnected from the outside world. You don't have a phone. You don't hear news. You don't see a TV. Uh, you're uh, you're disconnected from electricity uh, or running water. Um, you do your bathroom in a bag or uh, outside, uh, like uh, you know and uh, you eat uh, different food um, and you fight and you fight and you're constantly on a, on a, in a war zone um, you're on no hours of the day you, you know at some point i ask my soldiers what day is it today what time you know you, it's a, it's a different world um, but um it's a different world also on the sense that everyone inside gaza everyone including the top officers who are fighting on the ground are very determined to take out any terrorist we see. And in more than that, in the war zone that we're in, these are areas that no residents are allowed. So anyone we see is a terrorist. Wow. And he's not an active terrorist who's holding a gun. He's a supporting of the terror organization of Hamas or uh, Jihad. And, and, and our job is to make sure that these people do not finish the day or the hour. And um, if, uh, if we're too close to them, we catch them to get more information, to find out more about uh, more about the um, uh, the hostages or about uh, more tunnels or, or more terrorists that are around. Uh, I can tell you that every night uh, I personally would go to sleep uh, uh, or every day. That depends on the time, that the little hours that we had to sleep. And I dream about releasing hostages. Everyone in the, in the army um, is very determined to finish the job and to, uh, to finish, the, finish Hamas and kill Hamas. Um, but on the other hand, yes, it is complicated. We're, uh, we're not a mandatory service unit. We're not guys who are 18. We are guys who have families, we have careers, we have students who missed already three months of, 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 of the year. And, uh, and it's not easy. And it's not easy. Um, there are uh, situations where soldiers say, 
you know, um, my, uh, you know, my, I have a sick kid at home or uh, I need to be moving because my lease is up and I have to move. And uh, special situations where we let soldiers go out for a few days and soldiers who say, I, I can't anymore because I'm too tired. But at the end of the day, the morale is very, very high. And we all understand that we are on a mission. That on what happened on October 7th is, is changed the reality and put us in a mode of unity. Everybody's very, very united in Gaza. You know, it's, it's beautiful to see, you know, the conversations that I had with different soldiers, with different units, you know, as, as when you fight in Gaza, you fight, it's called uh, uh, a fighting combat uh, squad, which is built out of tanks and uh, uh, combat engineers, and air force, and artillery, and they obviously uh, uh, combat soldiers who are infantry. And we are all together, and it's soldiers you have never met, and you have conversations, and you see that you come from so many different backgrounds, but all for one mission. So the morale is very, very high, and we feel the support from outside. You feel it uh, through packages, through letters, through uh, different uh, you know guys who go out and come back, and, and it's... Um, it's a, even though it's too complicated, the morale is high. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. So yeah. Donna, we'll, we'll come back, you know, you did in a moment. I know everybody wants to jump in also, but Donna, take us back to October 7th. And, um, you know, in some ways it feels like a long time ago for you. I'm sure it was yesterday because of what you lived through and because of who you lost. And, and every day is October 7th over and over again for the hostages families until they're home. Every day is October 7th over and over again. So take us back to October 7th and uh, Simchat Torah. Early that morning, you woke up and, and what happened? So we just woke up at uh, 6.30. Uh, we, we heard the explosions. Uh, there were sirens uh, that didn't stop. Um, I was in my home with my children. Aviad was in the synagogue. He went to pray in uh, Vatikin, Hashkama. And when he heard all the noises, he just ran into our home to say that we are okay, that I took the children to the safe room. And he took me outside after we calmed down the children and he told me, he told me that he feeling that it's not a regular situation. He feeling that they was trying, it's a terrorist attack. I, I just remember his word. And he went out, he was trying to, to pray for a, couple of minutes and then he turned on, turned on this, the phone and he, see, he saw all the messages from the first response team and he just took his vest, his helmet, he took his gun and he dressed up and he told me goodbye, oh, I need to go. I told him to keep take care of yourself and he went out. Aviad was the chairman of Shlomit. Uh, and one of the reasons that he went out went out so uh, early and he didn't stay at home with us because he wanted to take care of the people in Shlomit and he wanted to know how many people uh, were staying in Simchat Torah in our community, if there is uh, visitors that came from outside uh, and he wanted to speak with the people that in with him in the secretary and in the beginning of all this attack, he, he was still in Shlomit. They were separated to couples. 
and there was in a different location in Shlomit. Some of them was in the south, some south side in the community, some of them was in the, the main gate. And about uh, 7.30, it was 7.30, they were starting to hear uh, voices uh, from uh, the Rav Shatz. Rav Shatz uh, is the head of, head of security. And he heard in the radio uh, that uh, there is a terrorist that come into a Prigan community. Prigan is a different community from us. It's about 10 minutes drive from us. And most of the people that are living there, uh, adult people, they don't have uh, uh, young people that have the, all the ability to be in the Kitat Konenot. And they was needed a lot of help. So the Rav Shatz, the head of security of Prigan, was shouting in the radio, there is a, a terrorist that come inside our community. Please come and please help us. We need help. I just want to add something. Um, before Simchat Torah, for uh, long years, our community have a, a strong relationship, relationship with the Prigan community. Because every year in Purim, our community going to read the Megillah in the night and in the morning. And our community come, came with uh, the families, in, with the cars and a lot of balloons. And, and we're doing a lot of uh, environment, a Purim environment, environment in the Prigan. Uh, we came with the songs and we're dancing with the people and we, every family took Mishloch Manot to bring to one family. And there's a, a good relationship that was started years, years ago. In the it's, last... not a, it's not a religious community, right? Right. It's not a religious community. But, you know, it's a Jewish people and we want all the Jewish people will be together and to have the, the opportunity to to celebrate Chag Purim in a strong way. And in the last, last, last Purim, I took my, some of my kids, they came with me, and we took Mishloch Manot. And when I drove to Pregan, I stopped beside one of the houses there. And there was a woman that was waiting for me outside. And when I came out of my car, I came and I came to her, and I brought the Mishloch Manot to her. She was trying to cry. And she told me, you are our life. I don't know how we can live without you. You given me power to live. This is her words to me. And in that moment, I didn't understand how her words would be so meaningful for me. We given her life. I didn't thought about it. And when Simchat Torah came, and all our first response team, just uh, part of the of the group there, went to help Brigan community. I just understand. This is what she was trying to tell me. We given her power to live. Because at the moment that uh, our first uh, man went to Brigan. The terrorists were already inside the third home. They was coming to the first uh, home. The, there's no family there. They were de damaged all the house. And then they went to the second house. They damaged uh, this uh, house too. And when they came into the third house, there was a family there. 
a big family. Uh, the, the mother, the father, children, the grandfather and the grandmother, as a visitor, visitors that came and there was, uh, they were sure that they're going to, to die because the terrorists was inside the house. They were trying to open the door of the safe room and they didn't succeed. And they were trying to bomb the window outside of the safe room and they were shooting. Uh, they shooting the room and they thought that they were gonna kill and in that moment our guys from the first response team just came into the into the community they, they heard the terrorists they came next to the house and they're trying to shoot they were starting to shoot because they wanted the terrorists will come outside the house and thanks god no one from no one from uh, the, this house was uh, hurt uh, was dead it was there was uh, Killed. Killed. Thank you. <laughs> and I was starting the battle. And maybe I will give Edidia the opportunity to speak about the battle. And then I will speak about it at the end. Okay. Um, you know, uh, the more the more we tell the story, um, we realize how, how big of heroes uh, they were. Um, every now and then we, we find out more details about the battle. But overall, when the guys got the call, they get they got to Pregan, and the father of the Ben Naim family was locked inside. And uh, the father of the Ben Naim family, who knows Arabic, heard the terrorists screaming Allah Wakbar. He knew that they were starting a battle. He didn't know anything else because he was locked inside the shelter. It's at that moment when our guys got there and started shooting and fi opening fire towards those uh, Nazi terrorists who were attacking. These terrorists, you have to understand, were well-equipped. This is the Nukba, the special forces of Hamas, well-equipped with bulletproof vests, with thousands of bullets, with AK-47, with hundreds of hand grenades, with uh, uh, RPGs, which are anti-tank missiles, and with special bombs to open the bomb shelters, to blow up the bomb shelters, the doors of the bomb shelters with special drills. And they were well prepared to start the massacre, just like happened in Be'eri or Kfar Aza or uh, near Oz or one of those uh, other kibbutzim and moshavim. But the guys fought them. And once they saw that they are facing someone who's fighting them, for two hours, very harsh, bloody battle took place. And after two hours, the terrorists left some of the weapon. Some of them were injured, some of them were, were killed and ran away from the community. And just like Dana said, the result of this battle on the pre-gun end, that not even one single person wow. was killed or wounded from the battle. And hundreds of people were saved due to the heroism of our first responding. Now I want to stop here for a moment and let you understand. Rabbi, you said it once, the Jew of October 6th is a divided Jew. The Jew question himself, do I, do, I, do, I, do I have brothers? Am I one nation? What's going on? How so many arguments, so much free hate. The Jew of October 7th from the community of Shlomit says, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to go and save someone else's lives, even though I don't know who this person is. Up until that moment, they didn't know who the Ben Naim family was. They didn't know who their next door neighbor were. They didn't know. Only Did anyone else answer the call? Name. 
You said that no. the, the head of security no. said into the radio in Prigan, we're in trouble. We need help. Did anyone else show up or was this no. happening in the South in general, people helping each other? No one from any other community decided to leave their community as a first response team while their community is under the same kind of danger like the other communities and help another community. Only our first response team. And that's one of the things that turns this squad into heroes and Dana's husband into a superhero, if you will, who went and by the time that Aviad got there, he wasn't there at the first moment. He got there at the second wave while his friend is screaming that they are injured, while they're screaming that they are going to die and they thought at that time that some of them are already dead. He knew he was going into a dead zone and he still went inside into the fire, into this hell to save the lives of hundreds of people. Donna, can I interrupt? Jew of October seven is a Jew who adds life and love. Donna, do you wish that he didn't? When when you look back, is there regret that he went to go to go fight? It could have been different. He could have still been here. It's a big question. I'm asking myself too, but for sure I know that I'm very proud of my husband. He was doing a love step. Aviad was Cohen. His family came from Jerba. And there are Kohanim uh, that they knew that they belonged to Mishpachat Bet Yonatan. Uh, they knew that they are Kohanim from the Ezra Sofer time. And when Kohen is working in the temple, he's sacrificing Korban. I'm feeling that Aviad was sacrificing himself for all Am Israel. And it's, I, I can't tell you that it's not difficult. It's really difficult, especially in the, in the nights when I have time to myself and I'm thinking about our loss. It's very difficult, but I'm feeling that God wants us to wake up, that the whole world got changed. We're not the same people. We cannot be the same people. We don't have the privilege to stay the same people as we was, as we were, sorry. And I'm feeling that I will never had a good, good answer to your questions. And um, maybe I don't want to have, cause it's not gonna help, help me to ask myself this question. Cause it's still, a, I'm still staying, standing in the same situation. It's not gonna make my life change. But I know that if I want, the whole world will change. If I want that Am Israel will improve himself, I need to ask different questions. I need to ask what we need to do in that moment, in this moment. What Am Israel need to do, need to improve, that we will not go back to the situation that we were. We were. And I can I can answer myself these questions, and I know for sure that Am Israel have to be united. We don't have the permission to stay with all the, uh, the arguments and all the hate that we had, we was using to, to be. And I told you in, when we was in Bokaraton that we need help because the widows and the orphans can do it by themselves. We need all our missile with us. We need everyone that hearing us will just tell these messages to everyone he know, he know and to ask him 
please be with us. Am Israel have to be united. Am Israel have the Chomrim Chova? The obligation to all the people that got killed, to all the people mm. that got hurted, to all the hostages that are still in Gaza. We must be united, and it's begin from the small circles. We don't have to run to to find the the big circles. It's begin in everyone in his family, uh, in the the relationship that he has with the wife or maybe the husband, the way you act in to your children, the way you you behave to your neighbors. You need to begin in a small steps, and this was Aviad. Aviad was a man of small steps, the way he was uh, acting his uh, parents. I was learning from him how, how to do kibudorim. I was learning from him how to to behave to friends, how to, to be so kindly, how to... He always know to say the right word to the people who was beside him, to let him feel so good, to let him feel so uh, powerful. And it started from the small steps. This is my answer to your question. Thank you. Wow. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. This is a real honor, a real privilege to have you both. I'm just wondering, you know, you, you, you both, first of all, maybe for our, our unfamiliar listeners, just to talk a little bit about where Shlomit Chalutza is on the map. I think many people are going to be a little surprised to understand exactly who your neighbors are and how close you are to some of these places. And number two is you've already been through so many challenges. Like Rabbi Goldberg introduced to you, Gush Katif, and now here. And yet no one's running away. On the contrary, everyone's saying we're running back. As soon as we can get back, we want to just build and we want to rebuild and we want to build it bigger and build it better. Where does that come from? Where, where teachers, was it your parents, your families you grew up in? It's a, it's a great question. <clears throat> uh, I, will, I, I can tell you uh, that... Uh, that we share a lot of this uh, strength. Um, Dana and her husband Aviad, <clears throat> first of all, Aviad was uh, very, very close with uh, Gush Katif and uh, visited many times. His best friend was killed um, at the beginning of the Second Intifada, Ita um, Yefet, Shemikom Damo, and, uh, <clears throat> and Aviad and Dana are the one of the founders of Shlomit. Uh, they got married, uh, and they've been there from uh, from day one. Uh, I can tell you that uh, as someone <clears throat> who grew up in Gush Katif, that uh, when you talk about Zionism, it's a big word. We want to learn. We're going to go to Israel. We're going to learn in classes. We're going to teach it at the uh, Katz Hillel School or at Hadar. We're going to, you know, uh, we're going to uh, visit Israel. It's um, for me. It was just living in my home to grandparents who founded Kiryat Arba or to my parents who have been through Yamit and Gush Katif and the life, the daily life. <clears throat> um, I spoke to my mom on the phone today <clears throat> and she goes, I always taught you for Zionism and I always will, but you cannot go back until it's really secure. They have to promise you security. You know, that's my mom. It's, you know, and when I'm in Gaza, she, I'm one of seven. 
I'm one of five boys. All of them are in the army. My two sisters are married with 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 two husbands who are in the army, and my and my mom on top needs to have a rest at night to sleep. You can hear when I spoke to her uh, in the different times that I could, complete voice praying, and uh, understanding the mission that uh, we have and the privilege of being part of this generation. When you look at this from this point of view, that we are one link in a big chain, but yet, in my opinion, the most fortunate link. We have our homeland. We have an army. We have an IDF. We have, I can wear uh, this, the Star of David on my shoulder and not be killed and not be afraid, and it's not the color yellow. And I can say proudly, I'm a Jew. I'm an Israeli. I'm in the IDF, I can protect. And if you have a danger in Boca Raton, Florida, I'll come and take a bullet for you here or in Uganda or in Paris. And yes, we have challenges, but we're still lucky to be part of the Jewish people and knowing where we'll overcome this and uh, be able to be written on the golden pages of the history as builders of the state of Israel. This is at least my answer. I just want to add to what Didia just said that the people, the Jewish people uh, that was living in the time of the Holocaust was just dreaming that they, they will have an army, that they can fight against the against their enemies. We have the opportunity to, today, in these days, to protect ourselves. It's a great honor. And if I can echo Dana, and as much as I knew Aviad can echo Aviad, if Aviad knew that he's needed again to go to Prigan. He was doing it, for sure. No question. Wow. He just, he just, he had just uh, to come to me first and just to say goodbye. Mm. He didn't do it. Mm. Um, I just want to say another thing, another point. I'm feeling that the children, all my children and uh, all the children in Amisrael giving us the power, because when you're looking at them, you see the Netzach. This is, this is the Netzach of Am Israel. You have all the reasons to, to continue. You have all the reason to fight and to have the big spirit, because uh, you're looking at them and you're telling to yourself, in what, which world I want my children to grow up. I want them to be protected. I want them to be a proud Jewish people. I want them to have Eretz Israel without a lot of days that they would need to be in the safe room and to be afraid and to have a lot of traumas. We want them to be a Jewish proud people in Eretz Israel. And it gives us power. Mm. So we have a mission. And, and it's not bit... our, that's our, our mission. It's all the Jewish people all over the world. We are uni united in this mission. We are separated because we have the mission here in Eretz Israel, but you have the mission outside of Eretz Israel. But we are one group. And now, and now there's the baby named for Aviad, correct? Right okay. after October seventh, what was what was that story, Donna? Yes, it's really excited. Um, in Simchat Torah, while the, our men are battling in Prigan, one of uh, our friends. Uh, in uh, Shlomit, starting to deliver, delivering, deliver. And we all knew that uh, her, her name is Michal. We all knew when Michal is starting to give him birth, she must 
go to the hospital because she has an uh, emergency uh, birth. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Perfect. <laughs> yep. And it was a, a big challenge because all the roads, the roads were was uh, blocked because the terrorists was there. They can can they can can take her with the ambulance, and we they asked uh, the helicopter to come and to took her, but they couldn't. They wasn't. They was so busy with helping other people. So meanwhile, they took her to um, a next next by a community called Nave. Uh, they took all the people that uh, got killed, the people that got injured to this place. And she told me that she was lying down on a bed. And she was looking. She's okay. She was looking left and right. And suddenly she saw someone uh, lying down and covered. And she asked the, the people there, what's going on there? Who's the people there? And they told her that this is was Aviad. And next by him was Ruven. His good friends, and she was shocked. And she told me that she felt that how the life and the death are so connected. And she can go and give birth because there is people there that lying down, killed, and given her life, and given her his uh, her baby life. Uh, it was so. Uh, emotional for her and she was new for sure that you're going to call the baby Aviad Reuven Chaim and in the morning of the, the Brit Mila her husband called me and he asked me for permission if he can call the baby Aviad and I was so happy to hear it because I'm feeling that this is one of the ways ways that Aviad is still alive when you name by someone that was such a hero, and he gave gave life to other people. It's given me like a brishat shalom from mm. him. Mm. And you did it. Um, Aviad and Ruven were close friends. And how and and what happened on October seventh? How were they found together? So uh, <clears throat> Aviad and Ruven uh, were uh, in a way soulmates. They were. Uh, best friends. They were always joking around that uh, maybe one day they'll, uh, they just like they live together, maybe one day they'll even die together. And uh, while they were fighting, there was an like electric uh, pillar that they were uh, fighting from. One was on the right side, one was on the left side. And as they were uh, fighting against the terrorists, um, Aviad got, uh, got one shot of a bullet that uh, hit his, his vest and uh, flew to his uh, head and uh, killed him uh, on the spot and uh, Ruven um, maybe a minute later um, also got shot and uh, they fell uh, on top of each other wow. uh, in a way hugged uh, while they were getting killed and uh, just like they lived together and helped so many people and were heroes in their lives like Dana says always they were uh, dying together in heroes in their death. And by their death, they gave us and many others our life. From, from what we've heard, these safe rooms that were constructed in many of the communities in the South were, were built for rockets to come in. They weren't built 
to deal with terrorists coming and shooting through the doors or, or through the windows or things like that. Was there a plan? Was there ever a discussion amongst your, your volunteer security team to deal with terrorists coming into your community? Or that was never even something to consider? So when you when you are in a, in a in, in the first response team, your job is to give just like the word the first response to any situation. You are told and taught all over the years. That's what we were taught that when there is a situation going on, you give the first response and you have between 10 to 15 minutes until the army comes and takes up uh, takes uh, control of the situation. So you, in a way, your job is to freeze the situation now when you fight and you train every few months on the first response team they always tell you if a terrorist breaks in or two top three never a million years thousands this is not something that was in any discussions in any unit in any community this was never the discussion so if you understand that when the guys got to pregun there were few against many as they got there, because the first group that got there were a few, few guys, three guys, and then four more came, and then another, you know, squad of four came. They were still always outnumbered by the by the terrorists, uh, because uh, by the time the second wave came, two of the three were injured, and then out of the four, two, one got injured, one was killed. It, so it was always uh, a few against many in 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 manpower and in ammunition. And it's not something you ever trained uh, trained for. Is there a, is there a phone number you call to contact the army? Like how do who who do you who do you get in touch with outside? Uh, well, there is there are the army bases on the border that uh, their officers are supposed to give you the answer. But uh, by the time that uh, we call those people, either they either were dead or fighting, or uh, uh-huh. their army base was taken by Hamas. This is uh, something that we have to understand, a much bigger thing, um, a whole uh, point of view of the army that collapsed to itself on October 7th. And that's not something we're going to talk about because then we need another whole behind behind the shul show, not just the bima. You know, this is a uh, eh, and uh, eh, but uh, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, you find yourself, you know, uh, in, 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 in a feeling that I personally never felt before. You're alone. You're alone, alone, alone. Uh, you can hear in the WhatsApp messages of the guys that were fighting because, again, there was no uh, walkie-talkies. There was no, you know, uh, not, not too much of, uh, of, of, uh, of equipment at the time of the, of the day of the battle. Uh, so the WhatsApp messages of one of the guys screaming, please bring helicopters, bring the army. We need help. We're injured. We're, we're, we can't. Somebody needs to help us. And there was nobody. And by the time the army came, the battle was over. You know, you did it's interesting. You've been you've been visiting our community. We've been visiting you for years and JNF. We should definitely acknowledge our friend Lee and JNF, Russell Robinson. And and you know, you previously and other communities in Israel talked about the volunteer security needing drones, tactical equipment. And I'm not gonna lie, we were a little cynical. Like, what do you mean? You have you have the Shabak and the Shin Bet and the army and the police. Why are we spending money on, on these uh, things for local communities? And of course, October 7th changed all of that. And now one of the things that American Jews are doing, diaspora Jews are doing, a tiny, small, nothing part compared to what you're doing. But one of the things that we're contributing to is running to contribute. That local communities around Yehuda v'Shomron, Chas v'Shalom, this could happen there. That, again, like you said, all of it was assuming two or three will infiltrate maximum. 
but hundreds or thousands, what do you need? So I know that you have a drone and it came in. It was very important that day. Go back to Rabbi Brody's question because I don't think we got to it. Where is Chalutza? Where is Shlomit? So people understand on the map. And because of where it was, why was it important that day that you had some of that equipment? Okay, so 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 for those of you who don't know, Chalutza is if you go and take the map of Israel and you see where Gaza ends and Egypt starts, where at that triangle border, we can see from our, our, our backyard uh, Egypt and Gaza. On a good day, you see uh, those uh, the, the fence and you see the border. And this area was never, let's just say, was never uh, the, the most uh, you know, uh, quiet area in the world. Um, and, and, and it's okay. We knew going in what we were facing. We knew that we were going to live in a place that is a, that, you know, we're pioneers. That's what our pioneers are for. There aren't many of them. And, uh, you know, Dana and, and, and her husband came to uh, Chalutza uh, knowing that they are going to build a community. Dana says, you know, when I came there, I all I saw, what did you see? Yeah, it took me about 12 years ago to see the place, the future location of Shlomit. And he took me to the dunes and I was looking all around and I told him, you are crazy. There's nothing here. There's nothing there. How can we build something? And he has so many big dreams because he saw the the future community from the sand. As a, as, so you need to be crazy. It's amazing. We will, and, we will. And, and thank God that we have um, Jewish National Fund who right. also connected me to, uh, to your incredible community that we feel like we're one community, you know, uh, BRS is Boca Raton Shlomit. You should know, <laughs> and uh, we are, uh, you know, and, and, and the drone that I got from uh, Maury and Bacheva Goldberg, who donated, uh, you know, security e equipment that I, I will be honest, I didn't think would save so many lives because when October 7th happened, two hours into the battle, I, I didn't have a gun, or that day I later on got the gun of, of, of yeah. Aviad. When I got the gun, I was holding it and I, I was shaking, I was like, how can I hold such a hero's gun? I was, uh, I'm not, I don't deserve it. But I did have a drone and I flew the drone and I started looking around the community and outside the community, thank God that it had a zoom, a very, very, very good zoom that I could tell the forces that were protecting the community from in what's going on and give them notice. And we saved so many friendly fire that could have happened and so many terrorists that were trying to get in and we can report. And at about 4.30 at the afternoon, someone calls me and says, I see something from Egypt. Can you, can you please take the drone and, and, and face Egypt? I said, Egypt, what's going on? So I go and I drive to a community center that Genef is helping us build. It's at its skeleton position. I went up to the roof. I flew the drone and, and I started uh, zooming in and I see maybe 40 cars of pickup trucks like the terrorists used on October 7th lining up like getting ready for something. So we call up the army. Thank God, maybe 45 minutes later, um, special forces from the army came. I cannot t mention the name because it's still uh, uh, something I cannot uh, uh, reveal, but they came and put different uh, equipment uh, towards uh, the border. And maybe a half hour later, I get a phone call from somebody who uh, represent presented himself as uh, the head officer from the command center who's responsible for our area. They start asking me questions that I, I couldn't answer. I'm a resident, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not a soldier who's 
whose knowledge about that border. And when you go into in the army, they teach you about where you're going to be fighting, you're preparing. Here he's asking me questions that I couldn't answer, but I'm trying to help him. And then he says, hold on, let me connect the pilot of the helicopter who's flying, who's coming, who's on his way to you. I said, a pilot of the helicopter? I'm, I'm a resident, I'm not the army, you know? And I find myself guiding the helicopter where the terrorists are on the Egyptian border so they can they can uh, uh, scare them away, kill them, do what, whatever they need to make sure that we stay safe until, you know, uh, uh, it got uh, into the darkness. I didn't have a night vision at the time of a drone, and uh, it was very hard. Um, we also had uh, a big security camera in the community of Benetarim that was overlooking into Egypt that was helping. And uh, these were equipment that we asked for, you know, a few years ago, a few months before, uh, not knowing how much they were going to save our, our, our uh, life. And uh, our partners from Jewish National Fund has been standing side by side with us um, really closely. Um, and thanks to Jewish National Fund, we are getting what we need and uh, still working on the big projects that we're working on so we can return your community in Boca Raton. We owe a very, very big Hakaratatov uh, to a long-lasting relationship that has, hasn't started today, and it started many, many years ago. Um, and uh, just like I'm a regular in Boca Raton, uh, seeing your faces in Chalutza is, uh, is like seeing family who's coming to visit on a, on a regular basis. Uh, you and the, the, the incredible crowd of your community. And uh, we have a very big Akaratatov to you, Rabbi Goldberg, to Rabbi Brody. To no, Rabbi Kratatov, we're, we're, you're on the front lines. You're doing everything, and we're just <laughs> you're representing us and fighting for us. And we are, and we are absolutely nothing in this. But it's 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 unbelievable. Dan, I want to go back to you for a moment. You mm -hmm. said that you feel like Hashem on October seventh sent us a message, and the truth is, for somebody who lost her husband so suddenly and so heroically and so tragically. To even think about Hashem at all is is amazing. You know, there are people who go through much less difficulty and they feel, where is Hashem and is there a Hashem? So I, it's a personal question and I don't want to put you on the spot and you certainly don't have to answer if you don't feel comfortable. But but how is it that someone can go through what you're going through and still talk about Hashem? That emuna, where does, where does that come from, that emuna, even in a moment like this? So I want to start by answering... Um, to tell you a story. I already go back to my home three times while I'm here. And the last time I came, I saw, suddenly I saw something that I just uh, um, put on my uh, wall in the entrance of my house. I took a pasuk that I was uh, printed to my bat mitzvah just as uh, to my third girl, bat mitzvah. Her name is Mayan Simcha. So I took a lot of uh, psukim that there is uh, the words of Simcha. And one of the psukim that I printed and I really liked was Afachta mispedi lemacholi, pitachta saki, vateazreni simcha. And I took uh, this beautiful psukim and I put it inside a, how would say, frame. frame, frame, and put it on my wall. Um, and I just suddenly saw it. And the last time I came, and I just started to cry because 
sometimes Hashem is taking you on a different journey that you never thought that you will be there. And I know that Hashem is there because Aviad was killed but, but, but by one bullet. It was so direct, directly. Direct, huh? yeah. We're saying... Uh, Because I, I, can, I can't say that Hashem is not there. He's there. There is a lot of miracles. A lot of uh, my friends, Aviyah's friends, had monstrous miracles in the battle. But my husband got one bullet and he was died. Because I'm feeling that this is more a suffer for me. Because when you know there is no Hashem, everything is so mikri. Uh, but random. But when you know that there is Hashem, and Hashem is taking your husband, another different man, it's um, it's make me feel that I have to restart my relationship with Hashem. It needs a different uh, floor, different comma level. Mm. I can't stay in the same level of emuna that I have before. Wow. You did, yeah. I'm just wondering also, a personal question, but when you saw the army wasn't there or you started realizing it's not just three terrorists, it's, it's more, it's another wave of terrorists, and now you see what's happening with Aviad. Did, did you call your family? Do you run back to your family? Do you say to them, listen, I don't know if we're getting out of this one. I don't know what's happening. Do you, do you, do you have that conversation? Or it's, there's no, they're in the safe room, you're out in the field. I think uh, on that day, um, we were all um, mission focused on uh, on uh, on what's uh, on, on 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 staying alive. Um, I I personally didn't tell my family what was happening. They didn't know. Um, their next door neighbor came to to my uh, to my house, and I just happened to go in, and uh, it was uh, later on the day, and. Uh, she started telling my wife that uh, Aviad and Ruven are, you know, were, uh, she said at the time, were uh, injured. So my, my brother was with us for the hug. Uh, so my wife goes, what, from rockets? Like, she didn't know that about the terrorists, you know. So my brother goes in the back and goes and give her a signal, like, to stop. And then... Uh, and then she turned to me. She goes, "What's going on?" I said, "No, no, it's all it's all okay." And they, I I chose not to tell because I knew that it's not gonna change the situation. Just gonna make them more scared. And maybe if we can push it off a little later, it will be um, it will be better. Uh, I don't know if I was right because about 30 minutes later, one of the children of the of the next door neighbors ran into the house and started talking to my kids and telling them everything. And my wife was almost fainted, like hearing what's going on. She had no idea what was happening. No. Um, it's, it's a, I think uh, on that situation, when you hear about everything that is going on uh, around and in the community, you feel like we're one, one big family in our community. You know, you feel for each other and, and you see the faces and you, you hear the voices. Um, 
it's 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 hard to think about that day and to really go back there uh, emotionally and i think also because we are in, still in a temporary location we're in a hotel we're speaking to you from the kramim hotel we're still not yet back into our routine life uh, even for for the families who lost uh, they their their hero uh, our heroes uh, they, 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 their routine life is not not yet back to the routine. It's it's hard to really process everything fully. Uh, the loss is there for everyone, a gazillion percent more for 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 someone who lost their uh, father or or husband. Uh, but uh, I think and believe that when we go back, it will be the way uh, in a way the the dealing the full dealing with the situation. Uh, again, Dan, are you in touch with the the other people who lost their husbands? And we, 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 Rabbi Brody and I have twice went to the hospital, and and so Michael, we hope he's having a refuah shleima. I don't know if he's joined you yet at the hotel. Hopefully soon. And Oz, who was shot in the leg, and and Baruch Hashem, I know is doing better. And we're coming next week. We're going to see you. We're coming um. back again. And Bezrat Hashem, we're going to see you again. Um, but for those um, for those who are now this part of this club, these widows, the orphans, is there support that's being given? Does the government provide it? Is it up to the community to get mental health support and therapists? And is there is there a group together, both locally, I guess, from Shlomit, and even more broadly than that? Uh, yeah, there is a lot of uh, people that are helping us. The government is helping us too. Um, we just started, all of us just started the, how do you say, treatments. Just started the treatments uh, in the last two weeks, because until now, we didn't know when we're going to go back to our community. And we didn't want to start a treatment and to stop this in uh, just in the beginning. But, um, I just want to add about something that you asked before. Uh, you did just spoke about that it's we're not in our house now, and I'm feeling for the the widows and the orphans that you can't say normal about being uh, grieving about someone that you lost, but I'm feeling that we have it's 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 a uh, it's much uh, painful. Because a regular person, when he has a need to grave, he's staying by his house. He has a similar bed. He has all the things that give him, him uh, the, the feeling that he's in a safe place. Stability. He has the ability, the stability. To do, yeah, but we don't have nothing from this. And we're not living in our houses. We don't have even... My eldest, she was crying. He told me, "Mommy, I even don't have my pillow to cry, to to lie down on my bed and to to put my head on the pillow and to cry. I don't have it, so it's really difficult." Mm. And the children asking a lot of questions, and some just my uh, my young my younger son yesterday. He just saw his gananet. Uh, that he's missing daddy. It's the first time that, the first time that he's speaking about Aviad. Mm. I'm feeling that each day that it bring, bringing a different and new uh, challenge, challenge for us. 
but uh, I still believe that Am Israel Chai, and we taken power from the Klaliyut, uh, from the being uh, the public, from the journey of Am Israel, and I really believe, and I know that Aviad and all his friends and all the dear people that killed from Simchat Torah until today, they are Haruge Malchut. And we all know that Harug Malchut and Kol Bria, Yichola Lamot Bimchitzato. And it's given us a little bit comfort, because we know that Aviad in such a big place, so close to Hashem, next to Kiseh Kavod, and he is in a good place. It's, it's, it's us that need to handle with this situation. But I'm saying thank you that my dear husband got killed when he was trying to help other people's life. He is a hero. And I just told my children, you all are heroes. Because your daddy was a hero. And now his heroism is going into your blood. DNA. Mm. And your DNA, it's part of you. And it's not going to go and to disappear. You are a heroes. And as my dear husband was, Bezat Hashem, my house will go on, going to be a happy house. Because this was Aviad. And it's going to be a, a, a live house. Because this was Aviad. And Aviad was a people that, it was a man that was, has just such a big connection to a lot of Jewish um, religious and non-religious, Ashkenaz, Sephardic, uh, was uh, holding uh, left side or right side. It wasn't different for him. He was looking at the man, at the soul of the man. And that's why a lot of people just love him so much. And this is our mission now. We need to look into the eyes of the people that's standing beside me. And we need to love him. God wants us to be and this will be the tikkun of all what happened from Simchat Torah until today. Amen. Amen. Donna, that's a, that's a good place to leave it. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you both for who you are, for coming on, for sharing this story. We can't wait to, to see you soon. And, and you did you to give you a big hug. Hopefully you'll be off and you'll be done. Hopefully the war will be won, will be finished. And uh, we can't wait to visit with you in Shlomit and to be in that happy home and to celebrate the completion of the of the shul, please God, in the memory of the heroes. Amen. Amen. a big project. And to be together. In their memory. In their memory. In the memory of these heroes. And to be together, we'll welcome Mashiach and we'll welcome Aviyad. Welcome Aviyad and all of the heroes back together. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. Catch us next time for another peek behind the Bima.